short-term price changes happen quickly because people get emotionally driven based on fear or based on greed, uh, thinking they can quickly make money on a change in the market. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration, so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We are your hosts, Leo Sabo and David Thompson, and on today's episode, we're talking about the economy. Where's it heading? Are we going to experience continuing economic growth, or are we headed for a crash? Ooh, Leo. Okay, let's just jump right in. Are we going for a crash? That's a great question. This is something that I've been wrestling with personally. It's something that I've been talking to a lot of different people about. People ask me about finances all the time, and Mm -hmm. they're interested. Is 2021 the year of a big crash? And I think that first and foremost, right off the bat, although we're going to dig into this and we're going to get pretty detailed in it, we need to establish one thing. Nobody can accurately predict whether or not the stock market is going to crash in 2021, whether or not the housing market is going to crash in 2021. Um, No one, no one knows the exact future of what's going to happen. No living person on this earth. (laughs) (laughs) Good uh, good point there. (laughs) Yes. So uh, it's really interesting because emotions are what typically drive drastic changes in the market. Now, when Mm -hmm. I say the market, we've talked about this in the past. Uh, Leo, there's a housing market. Leo, there's a stock market for stocks and bonds. And there's a real estate market. There's a a train market, you know, people buy and sell trains. So when I say the market, I'm thinking of the overall economy of the United States where we live. Mm -hmm. And what happens is short-term price changes happen quickly because people get emotionally driven based on fear or based on greed, uh, thinking they can quickly make money on a change in the market. And since emotion is the primary driver, we cannot predict what the emotions of the country are going to be. Now, we can lay out some indicators, Mm -hmm. and we're going to dig deep into these indicators. But I just want to say, when we talk about this stuff, we don't know exactly what will happen. Uh, A year ago, in 2020, when the entire economy was crashing due to COVID, I thought for sure that we were headed for at least a 50% crash and that it was going to be around for a long time. And then the government injected trillions of dollars from happening. It should have happened. It should have happened. It didn't happen for that reason. Right. So this is interesting. So what we can't predict is exactly what the government will do, what exactly mm-hmm. what individuals will do, what exactly what businesses will do. Right. But we can lay out some indicators and talk through this. Yeah, and, and the reason for this episode is really to say, what are we seeing in the market? What are we seeing in our economy? What are we seeing in all these different markets that we should be aware of? Because yeah. they do predict a, at least a potential yeah, direction. It, it may not exactly, because again, each... We don't know what the Fed's going to do. They pumped a bunch of money into the economy. It hasn't improved our economy. It has sustained it. Mm -hmm. But there's still a lot of factors that if they stop pumping money into it, it will eventually have some downsides. Yeah. Uh, Because this this COVID and what's happened with the shutdown, the unemployment, the housing market, all these other things that we'll talk about in this episode do play a factor into it. However, 
any of the actions that the Fed or the government take will have an impact on that. And that's the unknown. We don't know what they're going to do and to what extent they're going to do it. But it's worthwhile talking about because there are some factors that aren't going to go away. Mm -hmm. you know, printing money won't solve the overall problem. And the Fed cannot continue to print money and give money in order for, to prop up the economy. Because if that was possible, then why bother working? Let's just all have a standard, you know, $10,000 a month seems fine to me. Hey, and, and I'll take we could it. just all, you know, <laughs> expect for the check to hit the bank and we could just live our lives. Universal basic income <laughs> of $10,000 a month. Why not? The government can print it. Okay, so let's look at the last 100 years or so just quickly and see that crashes are a real thing. Now, when I say a crash, think about uh, a market or the line of the stock market going up slowly over time and then it drops dramatically more than 20%. It is crashing down. Kind of like called a fiscal cliff. A fiscal cliff. That's right. <laughs> you see the cliff as it goes up and then it just dramatically crashes down. So going back to 1929, when the Great Depression happened, there was mm -hmm. more than a 20% drop there. Uh, when you go to the stock market crash of 1987, so we've mm -hmm. moved forward 60 years. Again, more than 20% of the value of the market was gone in actually just a couple days. Right. Uh, now they called it they called it Black Monday. Now within two years, it had recovered everything that had lost. But mm -hmm. it was a two year recovery period for what it had lost. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, two thousand one, when the planes crashed on September eleventh into the World Trade Center, mm -hmm. uh, massive, massive shock to the economy. But again, a huge decline. But then again, within two months, everything had returned back to where it was. So a big drop, mm -hmm. but then it quickly moved back up within two months. Uh, 2008, the Great Recession of 2008, we saw major issues in the housing market, the bubble. Uh, the market, again, the S&P 500, the Dow Jones, the stock market, lost 50% of its value mm. in a very short time. Yeah, But within about five years, a little less, uh, just a couple of years, it had fully recovered. Mm -hmm. So crashes are a real thing. We saw another one happen in 2020 with the coronavirus. Uh, it went down, I don't remember the exact number, but I'm going to say somewhere around 35%. Right. And I missed it when it had bottomed out at 35%. It, it, it went down to 35% negative and then almost immediately went back up to where it was only down a total of 20, 25% negative. And I kept thinking, okay, this is foolish. At some point, it's going to drop down to 30, 40, yeah. 50%. Yeah. And I mean, so I was waiting. You're shutting everything down. Right. So it, it made complete sense to think we haven't hit the bottom. There's no way we can right. recover that quickly. Everything shut down. Everything Businesses was shut down. are going to lay people off in droves. Um, I mean, how do you recover from that? Right. Even to, you know, when you think about these different times that it took to, for the economy to recover after a crash, you know, uh, the, the 1929 crash it took several years yeah right? that was I, a long one it was yep. a long one and then in 87 it was only two years right. in 2001 because the economy hadn't really taken a hit no it was the fact that you know the, the new york stock exchange being in you know manhattan new york in new right. york uh it was shut down for a while airlines right. stopped flying for a while so it did take a, a hit but right. it wasn't a consistent across the market and it wasn't something that was going to be sustained right hit it didn't stop people That's from buying cars it didn't right. stop people from going out to eat right like maybe for two or three days a few people were afraid to leave their home yeah. there was a general fear of what's going to happen like we thought the u.s was, was impenetrable there was a pause yeah. but it was yeah. a two to three day pause when you hit 2020 
And the government mandates that everybody shuts their doors. And it's global. It goes global. global. Like every country has some more strict regulations than we have. Yeah, absolutely. Looking at it, you're thinking, of course, it's going to go down. I thought for sure it's going to go down 50%. I had some money. I missed the down. Like I wasn't, nobody was really predicting COVID to hit hard right when it did. A handful of people maybe, but but no massive. Certainly didn't expect it to last as long either. No. So so I, I, you know, didn't do anything with my money at the time. I had some money sitting on the sidelines that I thought I was going to invest Mm -hmm. while it was down. But I was waiting for it to go down 30, 40, 50%. And then I was going to invest. And it never did that. Mm -hmm. That, What I'm trying to articulate here is that it is impossible to predict. And we're going to end with some recommendations on the back end uh, and that crashes occur. But let's lean in, Leo, to some of the things that our listeners should be aware of and things that you and I are concerned about that we think are really uh, important to know when it comes to the economy as a whole, how different markets are working within the economy, and how that may affect our personal finances and our investment opportunities. Yeah, and and this could be a very, very long and and detailed episode. So we we just want to kind of skim over the top of two or three areas that we think are worthwhile watching because they probably have the biggest potential for significant, you know, hardships or downfall. Uh, One is obviously what the Fed is doing because the Fed is always part of that. The other one, what is the housing market doing? Uh, We all are aware, especially if you live in the North Texas area, that houses are are not as plentiful as they used to be a couple three years ago. Prices have gone through the roof. We have more and more people moving from certain states to Texas, and so all of that's affecting the housing market. And the last one is unemployment. You know mm-hmm. how is? I, I don't think we really fully understand the impact of the the uh, how how the job market has changed. I think we. We tend to think, well, it was a 10% or so unemployment rate. Now we're down to 6.2, I think it is right now. And that's still almost twice of what it was prior to the COVID. Like February 2020, it was like 3.5% unemployment. Now it's 6.2, so it's almost double. But what we don't know is those jobs that were recovered, the 4% or so from the 6 to 10% that we were able to gain, what are those jobs like? What are they? Are they, you know, because there are certain industries that have uh, hired during the pandemic, right? The mm-hmm. online, you know, uh, Amazon yeah, hired Amazon like crazy. Hired a ton of people. Walmart, same thing. So delivery went up. So there were a lot of jobs that were created through delivery, especially for with food and all, you know, retail delivery. But are those jobs as good paying as some of the jobs that were lost? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Uh, restaurants, a lot of restaurants shut down. A lot of restaurants reduced staff. Are those going to come back right away? My guess is probably not. And if they do... You know, one of the things that COVID did for us is that it also opened our eyes to the ability we have to communicate without being face to face. So how many businesses will stop traveling to Asia and to Africa and Mm -hmm. to whatever in order to do business where they'll they'll just choose to do it over Zoom? Mm -hmm. So some of those jobs will either be reduced completely, eliminated completely, or they may be a less uh, less income coming through those jobs. They'll, they right. won't be paid as well. Yeah, and I and don't those, know those the, all are factors that we have to consider. Yeah, I don't know the exact numbers, but where I work, we had probably over 100 international trips as a, as a group um, in the year 2019. Right. In the year 2020, we had zero. 
Right. Now 2021 comes along or 2022 mm-hmm. when international travel opens back up. Well, hopefully. if we learned, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> if we've learned, you know, how to li- how to how to do everything with zero travel, of course we're going to go back to traveling. Sure. Of course we're going to go back to those in-person relationships where we can. But will it be but at the same level? We'll be at the same level. I don't know. Probably not. That's exactly. my guess. And and we're one microcosm of that. That's just, you know, where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Think of the hundreds of businesses that have to make that decision. Yeah. One of the things that I read about the airline industry is how, because prior to COVID, you know, let's say, and actually the travel industry was doing really well, especially mm-hmm. the airlines they were packed. All, every plane was packed, especially in the summertime. Mm-hmm. But what what's happened, what they're predicting is that because of the COVID and because of being able to communicate virtually and that becoming almost normal, that a lot of companies, especially the, the top tier, you know, the, the people who have mm-hmm. the platinum and the gold and, the you know, the higher tier uh, bonus structure that the airlines are creating. And they're creating them for people who travel a lot. Right. And if those people don't travel, they're not paying the premiums. And I used to work at the airline, so I understand where they made most of their money. It was actually from the business class mm. and from the first class that they made most of their money. Yeah. And of course, freight and all that stuff adds to it. But when the premium business person drops off at an airline like United Airlines, American Airlines, British Airways, that's going to be a major hit to them because they, yeah. they make quite a bit of money from that group. And that's probably the group that won't be traveling as much. So it has potential to to impact the. In fact, one of the things that I remember reading is that they believe that the actual uh, drop in airplane orders and flights will go down twenty percent and remain wow twenty percent less than what it used to be. So that's I mean, that's significant. All right, so let's talk about uh, some of the Fed activities that have happened from COVID starting you know in March all the way to today. And we just want to touch on a few things that they've done because it has impacted what, well, one, it's impacted the recovery because mm-hmm. we saw such a quick recovery, which was completely like unexpected, like you said, right. you couldn't have predicted it. So let's see what they've done to keep the economy from not only crashing all the way down, but actually recovering quickly mm-hmm. and actually going beyond the 30,000 mark for the DJ and the S&P has continued to rise over 3,000. Yeah. So all Let's of provide that. provide some context because mm-hmm. I think looking at this overall context is important. The, the U.S. economy, the global domestic product, how much, how much money does the government earn in a year? You have global domestic product. You know, that's how much revenue and sales and everything's going on in the country. But then then it gets taxed mm-hmm. and the government gets taxes and has a certain income for the year. Right. The government's income in an average year, you know, is around $3.4 trillion. Mm-hmm. That's how much the government earns in taxes, corporate taxes, personal taxes, yeah, all taxes, all taxes and tariffs and all these other things. So $3.4 trillion. Now the government typically spends around six trillion dollars, four to six trillion dollars. Meaning they typically overspend uh, by a couple trillion dollars every year. The government's going further into debt. What was interesting with this pandemic is that the government basically started printing money when they closed everything down, and they started paying for everything with money that they hadn't earned. Mm-hmm. So we just, just this past month had a $1.9 trillion, you know, yeah, stimulus in, yeah, big stimulus bill go in. Uh, we had a major stimulus bill right in 2020, around March, April timeframe. Uh, the government basically started pouring 
tons of money in that it didn't necessarily have. It just started creating money and pouring mm-hmm. it into the economy. Mm-hmm. That's why the economy didn't really seem to falter as much as we would have thought. Now, one of the big ways that they did that is they put money into unemployment checks. So if you couldn't work, they added an extra 600 bucks a month, if yeah. I'm recalling correctly. Um, so oh, well, a, week. a week. No, a week. a week. No, no, a week. It's a lot of money. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's Some people 2000. made more money staying home. They literally, and I have a, I have a relative that made more money staying home yep. than they would have made going into work. And that happened across the economy. So the government poured in so much money so quickly mm-hmm. that, that nothing really felt like it had changed, even though underlying... A lot of things have changed. So A, there's a lot more money being poured into the economy from the government. B, they reduce the interest rates. And this is the Fed, which encourages people to borrow. Uh, Now, they went from like 1.5% down to 0% or 0.25 or even negative, honestly. Um, So they reduced this interest rate, which meant that if you're going to borrow to buy a home, then it's very cheap to borrow money right now. Mm -hmm. So anybody that had money sitting on the sidelines, not anybody, but a lot of people who had money sitting on the sidelines from businesses they had grown over the years or from savings, they started buying properties because interest rates were very low. Mm -hmm. So now the government is pouring a lot of money into the economy. People who've been saving for a long time are now pouring a lot of money into the economy. So the economy, weirdly, very weirdly, mm-hmm. ended up doing better in 2020 than... It should have. <laughs> it, it, way better than it should have. It should have literally gone down you know, 30%, 40%. Yeah. And instead, it went up 16%. The stock market was up 16% by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Now, this is not sustainable. This is not something that is going to last forever the interest rates will not always be this low. The people who had been saving and pouring their money into the real estate market are not going to continue to do that forever. Uh, the government can't spend money that it hasn't earned forever. Uh, now, there's questions economically about how much the government can do before we experience real problems like mm-hmm. inflation or other major issues. But this is important to realize that just the Fed lowering the interest rate from 1.5% down to zero has caused a lot of people to make purchases they would not have otherwise made. And we need to be aware that it won't stay there forever. Yeah. Yeah. And not only did they reduce the interest rate, but they also said that they would, they promised that they would keep interest rates low, something that was a significant change. Listen, this is actually what they said. It says, until labor market conditions have reached levels consistent with the committee's assessment of maximum employment. So they they switch from trying to fix the inflation problem, not mm-hmm. allowing the inflation to rise too quickly, to we just want the employment to recover. So mm-hmm. they literally said, we don't care about the interest rate. We're going to keep it low. If you guys remember, before we started this pandemic thing, every single time the Fed would meet, what was on everyone's mind was what would the interest rate be raised or lowered? Mm-hmm. And and that's what di- directed whether the market was going to do well or pull back. And when they lowered the rate or if they kept it the same, didn't continue to increase it, the economy did well because they saw, okay, well, I could still borrow at the better rate and it's not going up. Right. So it allowed people to continue to borrow. The economy continued to, to be stimulated that way. When they decided to not only lower it to almost zero, but to say, we're going to keep it here and we're going to focus just on trying to bring employment up and we're not going to touch it until then. Mm-hmm. Then it took that fear away. Well, what if, what if, mm-hmm. what if? Now the market is no longer worried about the interest rate as right. a part of, is right. this going to go in one direction or another? They're just saying, well, we just look at 
all we need, really need to do is now look at the other factors. Uh, the the interest rate was com- almost completely taken off the table, at least for a while. And that's that's really interesting because that used to drive so much how the market did because it's all based on can you borrow. So here's why they're able to do that. And this is the other part that we want to talk about, which is the Fed then pumping billions of dollars into the economy. Mm-hmm. So one of the things they did is they bought billions of dollars mm-hmm. of securities, equities and debt. Equities meaning you know, company wow. stock yep. and, and those kind of things. And then, of course, debt yep. is buying the debt that companies and, and, and organizations couldn't uh, service. Mm-hmm. So now they're saying, we're going to take away the debt from you, and we're going to buy it from you, and we're also going to buy it into your company. So something that should have happened through normal investing, you and I investing in these companies, now the government came in and said, we're going to do that mm-hmm. in order to pop up the economy and make sure that the, uh, everything doesn't crash. Which which means that it's not a real market because in a real market, if a company isn't doing well, yeah. then it should go away. It right. should be restructured and it should come back a little bit more scrappy. And if you and I look at a company and we say, hey, I think it's worth investing in that company for these five reasons, then we have reasons to invest. And if we invest our money and we lose our money, that's on us. Right. But if the government is just pouring money into these companies without actually having a reason, they're just trying to save them from going bankrupt. The mm-hmm. company hasn't necessarily gotten better. It is just a basically you know, a loan that the government isn't even expecting to get paid back on some of these things, mm-hmm. actually on a lot of them. So it's really scary seeing all that money go in without any real... Uh, real expected rate of return. Mm-hmm. That that's just not sustainable. <laughs> no, no. The other thing the Fed did is began to prop up the housing and commercial market, and uh, what they did is they stepped in with a broad array of actions to to limit the economic damage from the pandemic. So, including two point three trillion dollars in lending to support households, employers, financial markets, state and local governments. Think about all the money that was pumped in to businesses, nonprofits through the PPP. Uh, loan, the first and the second program, most of these companies would not have survived or would have had to cut way back. So what you're seeing right now is unemployment is not really realistic because people who applied for those loans, they had to maintain the employment in order to qualify for loan forgiveness. And so they're like, okay, well, you know, if if the government's going to give me $3 million to keep my ADP people employed, that's a win-win for me. I'm not mm-hmm. going to get rid of him. I got money. I can operate until things get better, and then I can get back to business. And it sounds really good, but here's the problem. If the market isn't there for that company to then pick up where it left off prior to the pandemic, then those layoffs are coming. Right. The cutbacks will happen, and that will have an impact on the economy. And now you take this across a complete sector like the travel industry, because some of those will not come back right away, right. and some of them will. I mean, I'm dying to go on vacation. I've had to reschedule mine <laughs> two different times, potentially a third here. Yep. Uh, so I want to go on vacation. I've already paid for it. But will other people feel safe to go on a cruise or go to a resort or mm-hmm. get on an airplane? We're not quite there yet, even with the vaccinations. They're not 100%, hey, this is the answer to everything. So there's a lot of unknowns. A lot of things can happen. But the Fed has propped it up, this economy, through all this infusion of, of money um, they did direct lending to banks at a discount of 2%. So not only was the interest rate lower, but they gave them a discount and extended the payback from, it used to be that they could a bank could borrow and then have to pay it back 24 hours later. Mm-hmm. Borrow today, pay it back tomorrow. But now they've extended that to 90 days. 
not a week, not wow. 90 days. So they can continue to borrow and they don't have to pay it back for 90 days. Uh, so again, it's free cash that's coming in so that they continue to prop up the economy. Direct lending to major corporate uh, employers. Uh, and then, of course, also mid-sized and small businesses as well as nonprofits. So think about all this direct lending that the government's doing. This is not free money. They, they're printing free money, but eventually, you know, what, what they're doing is just prop, propping up something that naturally should have fallen down. Well, and the government, so we talk about printing free money, but when the government goes into debt or the government prints money, uh, they are, there's printing and then there's, you know, using debt. It's amazing because the government only earns mm -hmm. what it can tax people. Right. And so it, when the government gives away $1.9 trillion, which is more than a half a year's annual revenue, right. what that means is long-term at some point, somebody is going to have to pay that. Right. And that's going to come in the form of taxes. And and we've talked a little bit about this, and we're not going to go into it here, but you can increase taxes on people who are wealthy, but that will not cover the full gap of the amount of spending that's happened. Mm -hmm. At some point, you're going to increase taxes on everyone. Right. And, and this has been played out in other countries. Uh, in Europe, the tax rate is much higher and the government spends much more mm -hmm. uh, as a percentage. So, so we've had a different system where we've had lower taxes and lower government intervention. Now we're seeing the government intervention go way, yeah. way up. Not yeah. just like a little bit up, not just like 10% up or 20% up. We're talking over 100% up, over 200% up. Staggering numbers because of the fear that's been created mm -hmm. and the government's power of closing everything down. The government has way overspent. That means the cause and effect, the effect eventually will be higher taxes on the people yeah. because the government doesn't earn money in any other way. The government isn't a business. The only way the government gets money is it takes money from people yeah. and then it gives it to other people. So this is, this is really important to realize the government can't print money forever without increasing inflation, which would be a major problem for the economy or without taking money from people. The government can't give something away that it doesn't have. Yep. Right now, it's giving a lot away. It's borrowing, but it's got to get that money yeah. back. That's well, scary. Here's an interesting fact. Uh, it's been in the news lately about uh, Biden, President Biden's tax plan and what that's going to do. And of course, the highlights are that he's only going to tax people that make over 400000 uh, going to increase, of course, the, the corporate tax back to not quite where it was before. President Trump lowered it, but I think it's going from 2.1 to 2. Point, uh, sorry, 21% to 28%. So the idea, though, is increased uh, taxes in order to get some more money so to start paying for some of this. Now, the interesting fact that, that kind of escapes most people is this increase will allow them to raise an additional $2.1 trillion in the next decade. <laughs> right, right. Over so, 10 years. So 10 years to have 2.1 trillion come in, which in 10 years, they're going to spend more money. They might even print more oh, absolutely. money. Absolutely. So ultimately, it's it's not saying we're going to stop spending and then we're going to slowly raise taxes in order to bring it all back and eventually pay off all our debt. No, even any tax that they can raise, it, it's, it's not so significant that it can overcome the debt that's been 
built. Right. In that's one the, year, we really... spent an extra 1.9 trillion. Yeah. In 10 years, they're planning to earn 2.1 trillion. Yep. But but that's only one of the stimulus bills. Mm-hmm. That doesn't bring into effect what happened last year or right. what will happen next year right. or the next year or the and every year we overspend by about 2 to 3 trillion now. Yeah. So I'm literally scratching my head right now. I'm like, I'm literally, I've got my head. I'm like, how, how is this physically possible? What Leo and I are pointing out is that there are some, it's not, it's not reality what's happening right now. Uh, in the short term, it can be held out, but long term, this is not going to last. And that is going to impact our personal finances. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and that you'll take a moment to rate it. Go down. If you're on Apple Podcasts, scroll to the very bottom, hit the five star button if you're willing, if you believe we've earned it, and uh, share this. You know, take a, a screenshot and post it on social media. Uh, maybe hit the share button and text it to a friend and just say, hey, I heard this cool episode on the economy and the housing market and what's going on today so that your friends are educated and are making good decisions share this with somebody. Uh, Leo, where can people find what you're up to and what have you been up to? Yeah, so you can go to leosaber.com where you can find some resources, a blog. Um, of course, these podcasts are also on there and some resources such as a budgeting tool, how to get out of debt. We, we continue to just promote that because that is the foundation of a good financial plan. So take advantage of those. David and I have also been working on a beta course. Uh, we are a, a little bit over halfway with uh, the five families that were running through it and really learning a lot about what we're sharing, but also gaining a lot from uh, what they're feeding back to us as far as how, how this is working for them. So we hope to develop that later this year, and we're excited about the potential of what it'll bring to, to our audience, which is just a very clear process of how to create a cash flow plan and how to be, build a purposeful life through your finances. Yeah, I've really loved this financial course that we're building, Leo. I've loved spending time with the five families that we've got going through it right now. Yeah, wonderful group of they're people. They're so cool. Uh, and and they're, they're challenging us when they ask certain questions. And it's like, oh, yeah, we need to put that in the course. Like, that's a great question. It's a great idea. So we've been building out really great visuals. We've been building out handouts. We've been building out course content. And by the end of this year, that stuff is going to be coming out to serve you, the whole audience. We will have a great course. And mm-hmm. really, Leo and I, you know, I'm not going to say this is 100%, but you know, as we've gone through this beta, we've realized that we need to build four different unique courses yeah. so that we can really dig into spending on purpose, saving before you spend, increasing your margin, and then investing wisely. Mm-hmm. Those are our four getting money right principles for our finances. And each one of those basically needs a course around it because there are some people who are ready to invest and focus on their life calling. There are some people who are ready to build a budget. And we want to be able to go deep enough in each one of these areas, even you know, increasing margin, saving yeah, before you spend. Yeah. So I'm excited. We're looking at how we can build a community around it, how we can serve people with other tools and resources. So come come hang out on leosebo.com, jump over to stewardshippastors.com, uh, check out the book Jesus on Money. You can literally Google uh, Jesus on Money, David Thompson, or Stewardship Pastors, and you can pre-order that and see more details on what's going on with that side of it. So I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I hope that you've loved spending time with us. We look forward to spending time with you next time so that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money, money right.
cutbacks will happen, and that will have an impact on the economy. And now you take this across a complete sector like the travel industry, because some of those will not come back right away, right. and some of them will. Right.